0: Isabel Headings. Oh, hello, Isabel. You were number 148, so we're just proud of you. Okay, just before we go on to the next one, what a moment in my life. I had an entire van of like 15 teenagers watching me. It was over 100, like 100. Did you know Tulsa, Oklahoma gets so hot that the blacktop is soft when you're walking so this the pavement moves under your feet so I was just perspiring had to wear the you know the dress clothes and be example of the church required that and I didn't want to talk to anybody I was putting tracks as fast as I could in the door just to get the kids home and the door open and the most pathetic sad face came out and I was two doors down they said yeah and it was oh it's not there anymore it was Raina that was her name he said come on in and I went into a place with my Bible and the kids of course knew they were supposed to pray for me in the air-conditioned van as I went into a non-air conditioned apartment and I went in and Raina was there there were multiple children around all of them wearing nothing but diapers and some of them were way too to wear diapers you know I mean like we're three or four and they shouldn't have been still clambering around in their diapers and she was wearing about the most tattered thing you could see and and I started talking to her I knew she wouldn't be interested and so I said I'm just here from you know this local church it was called uh, Tulsa Baptist Temple I think it was called TBT and I said I'm here training and we're doing door-to-door and I said I wanted to give you a track she said okay I said well I left it in your door she said okay (laughs) you know it was like she wanted me to talk to her so I said okay I said I'll just go through the Romans road with you and so I said um and of course I always have my Bible marked with the Romans road so I was all ready so I went back and I was you know it was very hot and I was dripping and everything and I said you know I'll just read you some scripture if you'll let me she said okay the kids were still crawling around on the floor in their little diapers and I said okay it says here in romans 3 we all have sinned and i read three ten on down went through the roman's road and she said mm-hmm. and i said and so it says in verse 23 we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and she turned like this and and turned her back on me i thought well that's about as clear as possible we're done and then i noticed she was going kind of like the the movement you make when you're kind of sobbing and so i Then as a man, a man can't handle a woman crying. So I just I said, Ma'am, ma'am. And and she turned around and she said, Crying. She said, God sent you. I said, What? She said, God sent you. I said, Oh I believe that. She said, You don't know. She said, You see all these kids? I said, Yeah, I've been watching them, you know. And I started looking at the floor. There were chicken bones, bones on the floor. Those kids were crawling over chicken bones. There were eggshells on the floor. This place was as filthy. This was title whatever housing, you know, the kind that the that the government offers to people so they're not homeless, but it's just a step above that. It was awful. Well, then I started, I mean, I got over the perspiring, and I could smell the diapers. They hadn't been taken out to the trash because everybody was, seemed to be wearing them. And it was awful in there. And She was sobbing. Well, then he shows up. Uh, this is Reina, the mother. Donnie, the father of all these crawling around ones. And he came out, and he just looked like if you were in a, in a place where people were meth takers or users... He would be the quintessential meth-looking person. You know, the whole thing. And she said, he's leaving us today. And boy, I mean, this was, she had someone, a witness, dressed up with a Bible, and she's going to use it. He is leaving us today. And the he had about the most tattered pair of jeans on. He had so many holes and tears in them, that it was embarrassing for me as a fellow man to look at you know it was like how much can we see here I mean he was a mess and she was a wreck and the house was like a pig pen and I said well I'm actually on visitation I'm not doing marriage counseling I said number one we all now remember I'm a youth pastor and we all have sinned she said we know that I do and he he said she said we're not even married all these kids we're not even married and he's leaving me i said yeah you've told me that i said well do you want me to go on she said yes so i went on i said, well right here in my bible it says we're all sinners if you agree with that we go to chapter 5 verse 8. well by then donnie has you know walked up and he's standing there too and i read 5 8 god demonstrated his own love toward us and while we were still sinners christ died for us and i said christ died for sinners and they both said we are and she kept reminding me, I asked God to send someone. Because he's leaving me today. You know, she would say that. That was her favorite thing to say. And so I said, okay, well, my Bible said I'm supposed to go to 623. So I went to 623, and it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I said, that means you know you're sinners. Mm-hmm. I said, do you understand Christ died for sinners? So I went and explained Christ and the cross and all that. And I mean, Mr. Methhead is looking right into my eyes and just standing there with just his falling off holy jeans, you know, nothing else on, just looking at me. And I thought, this is bizarre. I mean, this is not how it's supposed to go. They're supposed to slam the door on you or something, you know. And, but I was starting to get nervous because, you know, I, I always, when I lead people to the Lord in their home, I always kneel with them. I was looking at my dress pants and wondering if there was a place where there wouldn't be eggshells, and I wondered if the chicken bones had grease on them. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm being honest. I was hoping they'd pull out. Salvation is a gift, so I go to 1010 and had it all marked in my Bible, and I said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame verse 13 whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved i said the bible says you have to ask jesus to save you i mean she's crying again and he's just looking at me you know just It was amazing it really was a traumatic moment for them Uh, i mean they were poor they were on welfare or whatever it's called assistance they were living in assistance housing they had all these diapered children and garbage everywhere but that wasn't the real big problem the real big problem was they weren't saved and so i answered all their questions i mean they had been to church you know how faithful grandmothers always dragged those kids to church and VBS and everything, they knew all this. But I was the first person that ever visited them and shared the gospel. So the long story short was, before long, I'm on my knees and the chicken, I'll never forget, that was one of the greatest leading people to Christ moments I've ever had in my life. I said, while we were standing, I said, what will we'll keep you from trusting Christ today? She said, I prayed that God would send someone. My husband is leaving <laughs> You know what I mean? I I said, well, I'm not preventing him from leaving. I said, what I'm talking about is, do you want the load of your guilt and sin and your judgment that's coming from God? Do you want that taken away and put on Christ? She said, I do. And she went right down on her knees. And so did, you know, Donnie the meth head. Right on his knees with us. And you know what was so sweet? They, They both cried. I... I explained calling on the name of the Lord. And you know, I was only an intern there. Actually I was an evangelist and I had flown there from Atlanta and I was flying on to Huntington, West Virginia, and I was only tasked with those kids for one week and I was that was the last day I was there. And so I shared the gospel, told them about the church. I mean, we were in the area around the church and I said, Oh, they said the big church. We know the big church. I said, You know what? It's Saturday, you should go there on Sunday. I said and the man that's kind of dressed like me will tell people to come to the front if they want to be saved you come right up i said Do you have clothes for the kids they said oh yeah we have clothes i said it would help if you did that and i said and come right up and tell them you've already trusted the lord but you want to be baptized and i left i left that afternoon on an airplane praise the lord i had friends in the church because i'd served there that week and i, I said did somebody's unusual come on sunday they said this family came, they said, they, they really looked out of place, they said they were terribly dressed, and they smelled, and they had all these kids that were wearing clothes over diapers, and they said, and they came right forward, they didn't know when the invitation was, so they waited long enough, the sermon was too long, they just came up there, and said, we got saved yesterday with the team, and we want to be baptized, and boy, that affected the church, you know, they'd never seen someone that, that, like that. And I did tell them also, I said, if you're not married, you know, after we got up, from leading them to the Lord I said if you're not married I said you really should get married so they told him we want to be baptized and be married and they did that faithful local church baptized him did a little counseling married them they became attenders he got a job the Lord changed his heart did you know it works just share the gospel just just say focus me father keep me in touch with you why i'm here okay so why do we pray so now we're transitioning now that was the end of chapter 4 now we're in chapter 5 our 10th time and soon we're going to be gone why do we pray every day that one line in the lord's prayer let's go through it again just in your mind our father which art in heaven hallowed be your name that's focus me thy kingdom come oh why do we pray that what is that praying for why do we why did jesus say after this manner pray every day for god's kingdom to come well let's back up and look where we are we're we're in christ church in heaven we're in chapter five that's where we're going why were we while we were on earth supposed to be praying for that kingdom to come that's a great question well think about the people that got this remember that's always the primary way to understand the bible the first canon of textual interpretation is what did it mean to the original recipients what did this mean to those people in that little circle Well, first of all, meant that they were supposed to live in the ever darkening Roman Empire. They were at the front end of the bad times. Nero was just the front end. Domitian was the second iteration. For the next century, two centuries, it was going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until they thought they were in the tribulation. Really, because Christianity was almost going extinct. Remember, we covered that uh, yesterday. So, how do you live when you think? the world is ending and it's getting darker and darker that's what chapter 5 is all about I call it the ultimate kingdom in Revelation 5 God lets us see in the future him launching his invasion of Earth that he promised in the Old Testament the Old Testament's amazing the more you read it so let's start in chapter 5 and let me just walk you through the verses there's some fascinating stuff here By the way, for for, uh, some of you, the rest of Revelation is really interesting. I mean, look at this. Only two angels and two demons are named in heaven. Have you ever thought of that? Um, The strong angel probably refers to the meaning of the name Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel in Hebrew means the strong or mighty one. So if you're named Gabriel, your parents thought a lot of you it's the strength of god daniel 8:16 uses that word the strength of god for this angel the one that brought the message to mary you know and talked to joseph in the the birth of christ accounts this is gabriel he is that that angel other named angels are michael who's a bad angel a demon a fallen angel so and he's called Satan and Apollyon so we have Gabriel and Michael the good guys the good angels the mighty angels uh and a little next week I'm going to talk about angelology it'll be really fun but there's so much the Bible tells us it's fascinating especially if you have a phonographic mind and you think in pictures you know and you talk about it but God's throne is here and around the throne are seven pillars that are burning but if you put that together with what it says in other parts of Revelation, plus in Hebrews, those are probably the archangels. Because Jesus talked about them. He said the angels that always face God. Remember when Jesus said that there's joy in the presence of the angels of God when one's soul repents and comes to salvation. What is this joy in the presence of the angels who face God? Actually, it says, and them before the face of God. What is that? Well, there are these seven angels that always, the archangels are always, they're all the way around the throne. They're always looking at God. They're ready to be sent off. They're just, they're ready. They're like, you know, like clerks that, that work in the legislature, the pages. You know, they just run off and do whatever. These are God's angels. We only know the names of two of them. Now, the Jewish people have named all seven. Raphael and, you know, they have all these names. But we know the Bible says there's two. Gabriel, mighty one, Michael, the prince. He seems to be the commander of the armies of God behind Christ. And interestingly enough, we know two bad angels' names. I'm talking about described in Revelation being in heaven. Apollyon, the destroyer, and Satan, formerly Lucifer, the devil, the dragon, the serpent, all those things. Very interesting that God doesn't, by the way, what people are named in heaven. I'm not talking about, in Revelation one to three, that's not heaven, where you have Antipas and all these others. I'm talking about in, for onward, what people are mentioned, by name. Very interesting. We'll cover that. As you're reading, you ought to look for that. Secondly, Jesus is forever the Lamb of God. In verses five to seven, Jesus is the Lamb. Look what it says in chapter 5, verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scrolls and loose the seven seals. And so John looks where they're pointing. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. If I had a little lamb sheep here on the stage, how, what would I have to do to it to make it look like it had been slain? I would have to massacre it. It would have to cut it up, cut it somehow, so it would bleed and die. Jesus in heaven looks massacred. Have you ever thought that Jesus? is going to look scarred and crucified he doesn't come back all blonde-haired and perfect skinned his visage was marred more than anyone they pulled his beard they actually pulled it out and and hurt his skin and scarred his face and Pushed those those giant spiky thorns down and, and mangled you know the skin of his forehead and around his head. you ever seen someone that Bonnie and I were at the grocery store, and the the man that checked us out turned like this, and you could see that he had had uh, brain surgery because his there was a, a as wide as your finger scar the whole place that they cut him pulled up his skull took care of his tumor and put it back down and you know you kind of notice things like that did you know what john notices a lamb as though it had been slain but he had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent into all the earth so what are we talking about jesus will still bear the scars of his crucifixion but he is the almighty sovereign in power with seven eyes which is his omniscience and seven horns which is his omnipotence but keep going to verse seven because then he came and took out the scroll out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. So the father is sitting on the throne, the majesty on high. We don't see anything. We don't. I mean, it says he's, is, uh, there's color of carnelian and jasper and all that and the rainbow of, of uh, emerald and all that and the, all the lightning and the thunders are peeling and the fire and all the glitter and everything, but we don't see any face because God is a spirit. But, but he is the majesty on high and at his right hand is this scroll. And that's what we see in verse 7. My third observation, the scroll contains the plan of God for Earth's future and the answer to centuries of prayer. Most likely the scroll is the same scroll that's in Ezekiel 2, Daniel 12. It refers the plan of God to take back the kingdom of the earth temporarily taken over by Satan. In fact, some people call this scroll the title deed of the universe. God's holding it. It's his battle plan. Now look at verse 8. This is fascinating. Now, when you take in the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb that's why you need so much room they're not just standing up there they're falling down all the time i'll never forget i was teaching through this at one of my pastorates uh, it was a good-sized church had a balcony and uh, i was preaching about this and, and everything and i said and now we're going to stand and sing you know at the end of the message worthy is the lamb it's one of the songs of heaven and i noticed this person, as soon as I said that, moved out of their row, got into the aisle, and disappeared. So I backed up a little bit. They were laying down in the aisle like this. They said, I want to be like the people in heaven. I thought, now there's a person that wants to do, not just be a hearer, but a doer. And for the whole time, we sang Worthy is the Lamb. They laid, I mean, they were on their knees with their head down onto the floor. And I thought, wow that is not normal we like to be spectators but in heaven we're all participants but look what it says in verse eight fell down before the lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are what what does it say at the end of verse eight what are the bowls of incense containing the prayers of the saints this is really interesting. The prayers of the saints are being answered in God's perfect plan. It's a huge message in Revelation. Now, we'll get to that in just a second, but let me just show you this. Uh, I think Dr. Davis made this chart. I inherited it when I started teaching Revelation. He probably has a better version of it, but I inherited it many years ago. This is all the songs of Revelation. Uh, they start in chapter 4 who is offering well not songs worship by the way angels don't sing as you well know uh angels don't sing the last time they sang was at creation they haven't sung since until the the conquest of the universe comes back they say they don't sing so be real careful it never says in the Bible angels are singing except in Job at creation but they're offering worship, the four living creatures, the 24 elders. Then it's the 24 elders and the four living creatures. Then it's many angels. Then it's every creature. Then it's the martyrs. See, we're going through, and heaven is punctuated before the throne with all this worship offering. But what, what are these bowls of incense? Um well, I'll, let me just say it I, I'll come back I forgot that I have to talk about the words of the song did you know that your prayers are so important that God keeps them all of them actually if you compare Romans 5 8 I mean Revelation 5 8 with Revelation 8 3 you find that there are these large bowls that are in front of the throne of God that the angels are when they're starting all these plagues and all the judgments They're going with scoopers, and they're scooping out from in front of God these bowls of incense, which it says, which are the prayers of the saints. Have you ever wondered where all your prayers go? I mean, is it kind of like the notes you used to write to your parents that were so special after Sunday school, and you gave it to them, and they read them, and they kept them for a while, but you knew that sooner or later they threw them away, or all the emails that we send, and they go, and, and after a while people empty their bin, and they delete them all. No, God doesn't get rid of them our prayers are so important God puts them in this bowl right at his feet of his throne and he uses them and I I realize now that I'm going to talk about that in chapter 8 so I'm not going to talk about it anymore what God does with our prayers but let's look at verse 9 because it says this and they sang a new song saying and now as that chart I showed you this is one of those worship things and this is the song the redeemed are saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. You opened its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. See, angels aren't redeemed. Do you remember what Paul said? He said, which things the angels desire to look into. They can't understand why God is doing this for us. They've watched us. We're rebels like the fallen angels, but he chose to redeem us. So, you have redeemed us, the saints say, out of uh, by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and, ha- and have made us kings and priests to God, and we shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying you notice it changed when all of a sudden the angels get in they stop singing and they start talking because angels aren't allowed to sing yet interesting Saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who is slain and on and on and we know that so well okay number five observation redeemed how i love to proclaim it these are the words of the first song we see ourselves singing in heaven we're singing about the redemption that christ offered and performed for us the song of our redemption we who were slaves to sin we who were sinners were purchased by christ's blood god so loved the world he gave his son to die on a cross to shed his blood to pay the price of our sin amen my pillar john right ah my quiet man i like that Uh, number six Heavenly worship centers on Christ's sacrifice to redeem us. You know, I think we don't think about redemption enough. Basically, when I was, oh, I don't have my pen. I usually have a pen right here. But when, um, when I was a youth pastor, I used to always have my pen right here. And I would always illustrate the three great doctrines of salvation because kids need illustrations. i say, this is you this is you dead see how you're laying still and redemption is when Jesus Christ came to the slave market of sin grabbed you purchased you justified you see justification means we have a correct standing with God we're no longer he doesn't see us down there like we are we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus you know that verse now watch what happens what's that doctrine sanctification the the God who redeems justifies he he makes us saints in God's sight he sees us with Christ's righteousness but he's holding us and has a purpose God himself first Thessalonians 5 23 and may the very God of peace sanctify you completely now watch this is sanctification of our lives i don't know about your life i'll show you mine and god keeps pulling and pulling who who's resisting this process wouldn't it be better if we just really did that lord's prayer thing and said our father which art in heaven hallowed be your name I would like your kingdom to come right now with me and I want to serve you like they do in heaven thy kingdom come and thy will be done right here where I am like you are in heaven there's a great group that goes out doing revival services all over the country and the um, life action I think it's called Uh, They're based near one of the places I pastored, and I used to love having them come to our church because they really preach up the storm of the gospel and dedication to the Lord and everything. And then at the front, they have one piece of white chalk they've put out on the front, enough for every single person in the audience. And they buy a lot of chalk, and it's just all the way across the front. And they say, if you have listened and agreed to what." we've talked about about the kingdom of god coming and you wanting to seek god's control then take your piece of chalk and as you're before you run off and forget everything from church on your way to lunch go out to your car and before you get in the car or whatever you're riding you know your bike or whatever take your piece of chalk and draw a circle on the ground and the pavement step inside the circle and before you leave just say lord i want every day I want every day to say, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. In other words, I'm surrendering, I'm yielding, I'm, I'm offering myself. Do you know what I used to love as a pastor? You know, pastors are usually the very last person to leave after the last person with the last need. You've talked to them and prayed and counseled and answered the questions and everything else. I always would send Bonnie and the kids on to wherever we're going next because I would always be an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes until the last one because you, you talk to everybody in need but you know what I used to love after they were at our service? The parking lot would be empty. And I would just walk around. It still does it. I could cry thinking about it. I would look and I would see everywhere in that parking lot circles. And I thought, what is God going to do with a group of people if they really... Keep that up now you know what i've done and and bonnie knows this um one of the things i've decided to do is when i get out of bed in the morning i scooch to the edge so i can you know fall off with a thud and i i come off and when i go boom i pause right then when my feet hit the ground i did it this morning 503 a.m i said lord give me another day to live I would like to live redeeming the time for you today. Now I didn't use my chalk. I've stopped using chalk. It's kind of hard. Word of Life would wonder why all these circles are all over the speaker's cabin, but but think about it. Okay, um, we who were slaves to sin and lost sinners were purchased from Christ's blood. You all know what First Corinthians six nineteen twenty say. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you whom you have of God? You're not your own, you're a bought at a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God with your body and your spirit because you belong to God. Number six, heavenly worship centers on Christ's sacrifice to redeem us. And so what I thought we would do is, now we're going on two field trips in this class. If, you know, if you're with Jeju uh, uh, Jeju in... in um, Korea you go to the Holy Land every year in Thailand or whatever else they do but in my classes our field trips are in chapter four we all stand in front of the throne and pray to our father in heaven and in chapter five we do this let me read it to you the doctrine of redemption means now remember I told you that it deepens things if you hear something if you see something and if you on top of that say something Now, what really increases it is if you write something i mean you know if you use all possible mechanisms but to help you remember redemption the doctrine of redemption means and i'm going to go through eight verses of what the doctrine of redemption means and that's why i'll read the verses in yellow that are coming then all of us together are going to read aloud the words in red so what the bible does is it talks about the impact of this, I was dead in my trespasses and sin, Jesus redeemed me, justified me, and every day he's pulling me closer and closer to him. What I just said is an idea, you know, and it's out there floating, and some of you have, are remembering it, some of you are thinking about other things, and some of you are trying to write something down, But it's just out there an idea and how do you apply that so i thought i'd take you on a field trip and show you so uh i'm sorry we have to do it again i know it takes so much trouble you have to close everything and everything but let's stand again and what i'm going to do is i'm going to start this is the first one i'm going to read the yellow and then together out loud and i want you to think about what you're saying the implication did you know, this is this is so much fun. I feel like I'm back at all the churches I pastored. Did you know I made all the people always do this? They never knew what was happening on Sunday. Uh, they didn't know if they were going to have to stand up. We would sing hymns right in the middle of the service when it was applying what we just learned. And it was just, it was amazing. By the way, from that church, we had so many people that went into ministry. I mean, I think the Lord got a hold of a lot of their hearts. And I think part of it was, The truth of God went from being, you know, that was a great idea, to, whoa, I just said that. And you think of the implications. Okay, so Romans 3.24, I'm going to read, and then we'll together read that top big part. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Number one, here we go. Jesus destroyed the record of my sin. Do some of you really feel like saints? If I walked right up to you and said, hello, Saint Kodak Film, uh, hello, Saint Puma, you know, they have words on their shirt, hello, you know, word of life. If I called you saint, would you go, or would you go, try it sometimes. I go to people, I say, hello, saint, and most of them take it. And they'll quickly say, No, I'm not. Why do we do that? We don't feel like it. We know us. But that's what Satan capitalizes on. What's he called? The accuser. And what he does is he says, I'm trying to think whose name I remember. I only remember John's name over there, (laughs) you know, because he's the last one I met. He says, John. And he reminds us of our sins. That's Satan's job. He's the accuser. Do you know what Jesus said? I've destroyed the record of your sin. I actually don't know that you committed that because God already punished me like I did. And I took the punishment and the record. The more you understand justification, the more boldly you'll walk through life, overwhelmed. That's why in heaven we just can't stand still. We keep falling down. Okay, number two, I'm going to read mine. We'll go much faster. Some of you are going to pass out. You haven't stood this long in ages during class. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Number two, Jesus is all I need. If you really believe that, if someday you get thrown into jail, if someday you're separated from everybody you know and love on some Patmos thing, what they try and do is break you down and get you to deny Christ. Did you know what? He's all you need. You don't need your phone. Now, I know that's a little scary to some of you. You don't need your phone, you don't need that car it's so important. You name yourself after it. I mean, on the role, you don't need your girlfriend or boyfriend. They're nice, and your husband or wife are nice, but the only thing you need forever, you already have. Jesus. He's wisdom and knowledge and sanctification and redemption. Okay. Number three. First uh, Corinthians six twenty. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Number three i belong to god i won't even comment on what that means do you think god would take something that he owns and take it to certain places and do certain things with it do you think god would do that you belong to god and your body is his mobile temple do you think god's temple should go certain places very interesting uh, number four ephesians 1 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace number four all my sins are forgiven forever don't let satan accuse you next one ephesians two ten. for we are His workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them Number five, I am God's workmanship. Did you know every unchangeable thing about you, the way you were born, what family you're in, what you look like, the things you can't change even with all the cosmetic surgery that's possible, the things you can't change, the unchangeable features of your life, your parents, where you started in life, everything else, God picked all that. Yet, most young people spend so much energy trying to not be who and what God put them into, and he did all that intentionally. There's something only you can do, and that's why he puts you in that family, in that place as that person. Number six. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Number six, God will finish what he started in me. Remember, he's going to keep pulling. Number seven, Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Number seven, I am set free from any bondage so I can be zealous for God. The righteous are as bold as a lion. But the wicked run when no one's chasing them. There's holy boldness Christ offers that you can look anybody in the eye and and confidently share Christ. And here's the last one, then you can sit down. You guys are so good. If I could give out extra credit, I would give it out. But I don't know how to do that. But here we go. I'm going to read Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Number eight. I will worship the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. And we only have ten minutes left. Thank you for affirming your redemption with me. I'll tell you one quick story. Oh, I just have to tell you this, Bonnie and I, we're in Mexico City, actually a suburb, uh, some foundation somewhere, I still don't know how they got my name, but they found me on uh, our website, on our channel on YouTube is called DTBM. And so they found it and they saw something that I did and watched the video and this foundation contacted us and said, we will pay all expenses, we don't care where you are in the world, would you fly to Mexico City uh, to the airport and we'll pick you up and we want you to speak in an in auditorium to 250 church planners i said tell me about them they said 250 church planners couples they said husbands and wives and they've given some of them five years 10 years 15 20 some of them 30 some of them 40 years they've planted 250 churches ringing mexico city uh, all of the churches have a minimum of 100 people in them that they've led to christ And they said, and these church planters have have led 25,000 people to the Lord, and those 25,000 people are permeating Mexico City as people from Mexico City that live in Mexico City, and Mexico City is one of the largest cities in the world. And they said, and and they're doing a great job, but the only problem is that none of their children seem to be getting saved. Their children aren't following the Lord. They don't even go to the church plant. They're just not interested. I said, and you're asking me to do what? They said, well, we watched what you did on YouTube, and we want you to do it there. I said, "And what? I said, I have 4,200 doing on YouTube. What did you see? And they said, you had married couples, just like you stood up and reaffirmed what redemption means. I have an entire conference where we go through Ephesians 5, and everything that God says that the husband reflecting Christ is supposed to be is part of half the conference and everything that the bible says that the wife playing the part of the church is supposed to be so the husband is saying i'm supposed to represent christ in this drama and you're supposed to represent the church and they said you did that in a video we want you to do that to the conference and so bonnie and i flew there and you know what 11 43 I wish I could tell stories shorter, but it was so good. We flew in there and got to this little town. It was a German gold mining town from the 1800s where this conference was. It was a horrible place. They grow cilantro there. Now, you can still eat cilantro, but I don't anymore. Uh, They grow cilantro there because the land is destroyed by the slag from the silver mine, so nothing grows there. And so it's cheap land, and so the big companies get for free the the raw sewer of Mexico City Giant trucks of it, and they've made big, big ponds, and they pump the sewer into it and let it sink down, and then they plant cilantro. Cilantro grows so good in nutrient-rich um, areas. And if you don't know, public sewer is full of phosphates. It's like, it's like liquid fertilizer. And so they grow the cilantro, and it grows amazingly well, big, big and um, then what they do is they just bring fire trucks and they spray clean water and get all the toilet paper pieces and everything off the cilantro they just blow you know each field clean and then they go out and pick it and bag it and sell it to chipotle (laughs) or wherever they sell that stuff to and one day the buyer came from this american buyer of cilantro and he came a day early and they hadn't brought the fire truck yet and he walked out in the field he said boy this fertilizer smells strong but he said what's all the white specks on all the cilantro they said oh don't worry about it we'll wash them off and then he realized what it was so that's the conference so here i'm trying to teach a group of people 25 or 250 church planners, and the place smells like a porta potty in august at the state fair that's been in the sun too long because we're surrounded by fields of poop you know and they asked me to teach those people. So Bonnie and I agreed to do it, and I went through and I got to the first session, and I said, Okay, everybody, I would like you all to take your Bibles. And the, the translator went and tapped me, and he says, You have to speak like one sentence. He said, You talk too long, and I can't translate. I said, Oh, sorry. I get very excited. So I said, I would like everybody to take your Bible. And he went, ruh, ruh, ruh. And I said, I want you to go to Ephesians 5. And I said, I want you to hold your Bible. And I said, what we're going to do is, just to practice tonight, I said, I would like all of, the, all of you as couples to stand and face one another and repeat after me. And the translator said to me in English, what are you doing? I said, I want them all to stand and face each other. He said, what are they going to do then? I said, they're going to affirm Ephesians 5 out loud to each other. He said, they don't do that here. I said, um, I said, well, I'm speaking, you're translating. So I said, you tell them what I just said. He said, no, I won't. He said they don't do that here i said okay i can do sign language i said and i went like this until they all got it they all stood up and i said see i know sign language did you catch what that is face each other take the bible ephesians 5. so he finally said okay he said i'll translate but he said they won't do it i went through ephesians 5 with them where it says I want to love you as christ loved his church the husband said that out loud looking into their wife's eyes i want to sacrifice for you i want you to be the one person in the whole world that i would rather spend all my time with because christ completely focuses on us about the fourth affirmation from ephesians 5 in our practice run there were can lights like you have here see the can lights they shine straight down here are 500 people all standing facing each other Uh, All ages, some of them were in their 70s. They'd been church planters for 40 and 50 years. And you know what you could see everywhere in the auditorium with these can lights? Two glistening trails coming down the faces of 250 women. When the first session got over, and we were with them a whole week in the porta-potty place. Bonnie, after the first session, was mobbed by people, by women. I couldn't even see her, she just had this crowd around her. You know what those ladies said? They said, my husband has never said anything like that to me in my life. We're Christians, we're church planters, we're missionaries, we're full time, we're pastor and wife. He has never said that to me in my life. And one of the women, women told Bonnie, I don't care if he meant it or not, just hearing him say it was the greatest thing in my life. And they were all standing there crying. That was how we began our service our time there. It ended up, they were so poor, they didn't even have all the lights. I mean, these people are shoestring missionary budget. They didn't even have all the lights. When Bonnie spoke, while she was speaking in her corner of the place, they kept all talking to each other in Spanish, and they would come closer to her and push her. And she thought, what is going on? And they kept going like this to her. And so she would keep backing up, and they'd all sit down for a while, and then they'd all come forward. And finally, she realized what they were doing she thought they wanted her to finish they wanted her to get closer to the window so she could go longer until the Sun actually set they weren't trying to get out of there they couldn't get enough that's just uh, that's just what God does okay when God finally answers our prayer what happens to unanswered prayers here we find the answer to the great mystery after we pray them God heard them what what do prayers become like deleted emails no God gets them and reads them and poof they're gone no he collects them and here in chapter 5 he acts on them God's rule is the context of the tribulation oh, we have to go Revelation follows the divinely planned confrontation of Moses remember I said everything in Revelation is tied to the Old Testament the whole structure of these plagues that are poured out on the earth follows the Exodus and basically this I'll just do one and we'll pick up here Lord willing monday saints love and serve god we struggle through life so jesus comes to us that's chapter one jesus walks among us in the church that's chapter two and three jesus brings us safely to stand in front of the throne throne that's four and five so that's saints now we talk about lost humanity they believe in evolution so the creator shows them his power earth dwellers worship mother earth so god allows natural disasters to destroy the earth the first of the plagues are natural disasters. Then he begins to send divine environmental destruction by the time we get to chapter 16. And God the Son, the Creator, systematically destroys the atmosphere, the oceans, and land with earthquakes, smoke, fire, red tides, global warming, volcanoes, tsunamis, asteroids, comets, and meteors.